0: Hello and welcome. Hello. Back to Shuffle Buddies. <laughs> this week we are going to be discussing a spooky game. Called... Is it
1: spooky? No, I guess it's kind of spooky. It I has, couldn't
0: think of anything. It Has
1: some doom.
0: It does have. It does have a lot of death. But we're going to be talking about Res Arcana this yeah. week as our as our featured game. But yeah, um, we'll probably chat a little bit. I don't have a lot to chat about because n- there's nothing new going on at all in our lives. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like that's a little facetious.
0: It is, is a little the facetious. Word? There's Isn't more the going on before? with your I feel
1: situation. like I have some stuff going on, but you also have lots of, you always have lots going on. But yeah, so for me, I am starting a new job tomorrow. No,
0: tomorrow. I can't Crazy. believe it.
1: it. I was just talking about that, like how weird it feels like to start a new job tomorrow. You know, totally something different, but it's weird how like un monumental it feels or like just like just like it just doesn't feel like that big of a deal because I'm still in the same office space which is my second bedroom yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I'll do the exact same thing tomorrow that I would do any other day just for a new company yeah but I'm really looking forward to it I'm gonna be coding a lot more because before I was teaching um which I loved so much but I'm excited to get back into coding so I've been spending the weekend well a little bit of the weekend, learning a new language to get me prepped for it. I'm learning Ruby on Rails for yeah. any of anybody out there that knows what that means. Yeah, so it's been interesting. Just getting the office set up, got a new monitor, new computer from the company. So just getting that all prepped and set up and ready to go. So I feel like because of that, I haven't done a whole lot.
0: Except for playing a fun, exciting, and heart wrenchingly devastating game called Looking for New Houses.
1: Oh God. I thought you were gonna <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs>
1: I thought you were gonna talk about anachrony. Oh yeah. And no. I was like, Yeah, it is pretty heart wrenching, I guess. <laughs> like if you like especially for you last night when you lost so horribly. Yeah, but oh my gosh. Looking for houses. Yeah. So Chris and I are looking for a house to live in together and we're very (laughs) excited about it uh but the hunting for houses
0: sucks (laughs) it does suck it always sucks but right now it sucks real bad
1: oh god we have lost out on a couple of houses that we've bid like over asking and we're just like there's no way we can lose this house we bid so much yeah and then we lose we were actually supposed to record this podcast like a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we got news like that morning that we didn't get a house that we really, really wanted. And we were both just like, I don't feel like recording yeah. a podcast today. We
0: basically just sat on the couch and uh, <laughs> I don't even, we just like checked out entirely and just, just like. We just did nothing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which looking back, that seems so just like, come on, it's not that big of a deal. But at the time, it was a huge bummer. Yeah. Yeah, so looking for houses in the Twin Cities area right now is a real poop shoot. Unless you're selling, then it's a then it's a real gem.
0: So let's hope it stays that way because eventually we'll be selling twice.
1: Yes. So, so if anybody needs a house, Chris and I both have one that will be available <laughs>
0: <laughs> someday as soon as we can find one.
1: Yeah, so like new job, looking for a house, that has taken up a whole lot of my time. Mm-hmm. But we have had, I have had a little bit of time to like, Watch some stuff, read some stuff.
0: We um, have actually played a lot of games. Looking back at, at like what we played, we have actually found some time to play stuff too.
1: Yeah, and we've played some new games too, which has a been, lot of new games. Yeah, it's
0: been fun. It was fun. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll talk about one of them. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we played that is new to you and Ryan, who joined us, but um, not new to me. But it's Quest for El Dorado, which oh, is yeah. by Reiner Knizia, right. the great Kinezia, oh, Reiner Knizia, Reiner published by Ravensburger. Nice. And uh, I have been meaning to get it to the table for a long time because I've played it a couple times. I got it for my sister, and I played it with my sister and my dad. And it is a deck-building race game where you're racing through the jungle to get to, I guess, a temple. The finish line. Yeah, the finish line. It's it's yeah. the finish line, but I guess it's a temple or something. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a nice almost like ticket to ride level game Mm -hmm. where you're just racing through the jungle and I just have been meaning to bring it out but something about it never pops or maybe I'm not pushing it hard enough and I I
1: don't think you're pushing it hard enough
0: maybe I should be a pusher I should be more I should probably should be more vocal about being like you just need to try this
1: you do because like we just look to you all the time for like I don't know what game should we play
0: yeah and I I always present options but I don't say like this is the one we should play and I probably should just do that
1: yes because you did that with el dorado yeah because it,
0: it had been a while and i kept bringing it or you know having it in my bag or something and then finally i was like let's just play this can we just play this and <laughs> and we did and so it's a deck building game but it's a super simplified version of a deck building game where it actually does have a board mm-hmm. uh full of hexes where you're moving across this train and there's jungle and sand and villages water. and water and and just different types mountains of mountains yeah. that you
1: can't cross
0: yeah different types of train and the cards for the most part are pretty simple where Um, super simple! a jungle card has either one two or three machetes on it and you can move through all the jungle which has a machete icon on it so you're just spending cards to move your character along this big kind of race track full of jungle and the
1: majority of of the cards just relate to the terrain you can move through and how many times Mm -hmm. so yeah it's pretty it's pretty straightforward I actually like it more than ticket to ride because I think ticket to ride gets kind of messy with all the trains (laughs) and stuff I really like this one
0: yeah, I think it's great. It, it really is a race. Although the main mechanism I would say is deck building, it really is all about the board. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I really enjoy about it is there's only a few characters like traversing across the board. But I think the one big, not innovation, but one big decision they made is you can't move through other people. You can't even like pass yes. through them. You can't end on the same space and you can't move through them. And so the board is really about like looking at this board and saying, okay, it's going to be jungle for a while, but then I'm going to have to cross this body of water. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to have to go through the marketplace or the civilization tile, yeah. you know, spaces are. Um, and you're looking at all this and then saying, and then also these two people are going to be doing the same thing. And where are they going to end up? Yeah. Um,
1: and another thing that um, along with like a decision that was made not to be able to move through people is that you can't combine your cards yes. to equal a higher number like there are hex spaces that are like you need three machetes to move through this space Mm -hmm. and you can't combine like a two and a one to be like, okay, here's three. You have to have like a three machete
0: card, which I think it
1: makes it super tricky. Yeah.
0: So you have to go and buy it from the marketplace so you can kind of pay attention and say, okay, I'm going to like snake around this corner. And then even though I'm doing that, it's going to be a really hard to get through jungle tile. That's a three machete. Yeah. But I'm going to buy this card two turns earlier and then hopefully it will come up by the time I get there. And
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, yeah, it's just like super quick, really fun decisions. A lot of Heartbreaking, not heartbreaking, but
1: (laughs) it is. It can it can be frustrating. There are frustrating (laughs)
0: turns of just being like, I have this amazing hand of cards. I have everything I need, and it's about to take my turn, and then Casey stands right in front of me, (laughs) and now none of these cards are helpful at all. And And then I'm
1: stuck where I am because I have a horrible hand of cards and I can't move.
0: That did happen. Where I think I think it was Ryan got yeah, stuck, Ryan in stuck in front of us and we he couldn't you. move yeah he couldn't move and we just had to I wait went the other way I think I waited two turns before I was able to move again and yeah. it was and then during that like time twice. you were like cruising along on the other side and Ryan yeah. and I had decided to thread the needle through this like <laughs> tight mountain pass <laughs> um, it's really
1: fun and it's a great game because the few times that we've played it it's always ended Really, really closely close. it's never yeah. been a blowout where somebody is just like racing way far ahead it's always super close and it usually ends like on one turn like we in
0: like yeah it basically if, if you didn't get there i would have got there and if i didn't get there the next person would exactly have
1: got there. yeah so it, it definitely at the end of every time i played this game i was always like oh i want to play again yeah. i want to try one more time and, and that, it, i think that's a really good feeling
0: and it's easy to play again because also people's turns are like pretty lightning quick To the point where I think it was one of those games a lot of times where you're looking at your cards and looking at the board. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people are like, it's your turn. And you're like, oh, what? I wasn't even ready. Okay, well, I'm going to, you know. and, And so the turns come so fast. There's not a lot of downtime. I think people are just flying through.
1: And it's just, communic- it's just a fun back and forth game too, because it's competitive, but in a really fun way, where you don't really get mad at each other. You're just kind of like, oh gosh, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. You're talking back and forth, you know, and just fun game.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, don't know what else
1: to say about it. Fun game. Well, the last thing <laughs> I,
0: I think I'll say is that it reminds me of, and only theme-wise, the Lost Ruins of Arnak.
1: Oh, that you did say that. Yeah. yeah theme-wise, theme-wise sure.
0: It's very much like the Lost Ruins of Arnak, where you're like cutting through the jungle and having this adventure, except for... I think when we talked about The Lost ruins of Arnak we kind of said you're kind of just collecting resources and trading them in and didn't feel like an adventure where this one really does feel like yes. you are like racing through the jungle as fast as possible and getting stuck at the coast of a big body of water and you can't get a you know a boat to get through and and you are really having this like tiny little adventure um thematically it's less exciting than Lost Ruins of Arnak because there's no monsters or you know the art is kind of a little bit more basic although it's nice but the board itself yeah it's very
1: nice but it's chill
0: yeah the board itself is kind of a little bit more abstract with just hexes of different terrain types
1: yeah I think like as far as excitement goes visually Arnak is more stimulating cuz it has like the different pieces and resources that you can have in your hands and there's the different locations you can go to mm-hmm. but adrenaline-wise, Eldorado is way <laughs> more fun cuz it's just like you are just like white knuckling the whole time. You're just like, "Ah, come on, come on." Like, and then you draw out your out cards way. and none of them are for jungles and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, I can't do anything with these cards."
0: Yeah, I'm glad we finally got the Quest for Eldorado played and
1: I'm glad you finally pushed it. (laughs) Yeah, and I probably
0: will more because now, I mean, it's a quick game. I would say this is like a perfect, anybody looking for a family game.
1: Yeah, I feel like because this would be perfect like for my family because we really span the spectrum of uh, skill level. Yeah. And I feel like this is one that everybody could have fun with. Yeah. I love it. Trying to think, what else have I been doing? I did, you know, because we went up to my parents a couple weeks ago because we were supposed to go cross-country skiing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was so, so cold. um, And I brought my... Book that I was going to read up there, The Weapons of Math Destruction. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but I started reading it, and then my mom saw it, and she's like, Ooh, can I take a look at that? And then she just started like blowing through it. Yeah. Um, and she had like a couple chapters left, probably. And she's like, Oh, can I keep this? And so I never got to fit, I got 10 pages into that <laughs> book. Uh, but then I was like, Okay, if you take that, I'll take uh, Freakonomics. So I actually have not read Freakonomics mm-hmm. yet. I listen to their podcast all the time, yeah. but I've never actually read. Freakonomics. I don't think I have. Reading it, all of the stories sound familiar, but I I don't think I've actually ever sat down and read the whole book. So that's what I'm reading right now, and I am loving it. And that's
0: Freakonomics. Is the author just...
1: Steve Dubner and Stephen Lovett. Cool. (laughs) The two... (laughs) Stivs. But it's a great book. It makes you think about things in a different way, which I really appreciate. Just always considering causation versus correlation and that numbers don't tell you everything. You can't just look at numbers and be like, oh, well, of course, that's why that's happening.
0: Can you give an example of the type of thing that they talk about in Freakonomics?
1: Yeah. Well, one of them, which is really pertinent to what we're doing right now, actually, is the hoarding of information. And basically, we are paying these people for the information that they have. And one of the examples is real estate agents. Mm. Because they just have the information. Like Especially before the internet. It was like impossible to know how to sell your house without a real estate agent. Also, because they they know all of this stuff and they know how much they're going to make off of your house. And basically, if they work to get you... $10,000 10,000 more dollars on your house. They're only making about $300 from that increase. Okay. So if somebody offers you 300 grand for your house, the real estate agent is more likely to push you to take that than to wait to see if you can get 300 In and 10 grand. And 10 grand. Right. Yeah. They're going to have to keep pushing it. They're going to have to keep working on it and they're only mm-hmm. going to get $300 for that increase. Yeah. But when they sell their own house, they do push and they wait for the offers to come in. And they know that if the house stays on the market for a little bit longer, they know that they can get more money than the first offer.
0: Hmm. Now I'm mad about our house. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay.
1: <laughs> it was That's like the chapter that I'm on right now. And he always like, the, the chapter so far, I'm only like probably one third of the way through. But it's interesting because it always like relates to like totally unrelated topics together yeah so i think it was uh realtors and like drug dealers or something like that i can't remember those two <laughs> maybe two separate chapters but it's like they relate these things yeah together mm-hmm. to show you like it's just so interesting and it's so funny because the weapons of math destruction they were talking about the cheating by public school teachers to make sure that their students were passing their state tests mm-hmm. and that was like the first chapter in Freakonomics And so I had read those, like, within a day of each other. And then the Freakonomics episode that I listened to was about that. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh, my brain's exploding right now. Like, I'm, like, getting it from all sides, like... About cheating uh, teachers,
0: cheating to you you're like It's not their fault though, but it is not their fault. But uh, we were having a bigger discussion about false incentives and things like that, which yes, I it, think is what started this whole.
1: That's exactly what it was. It's and that's what's just super been super interesting. I'll be done after this because now I'm getting kind of <laughs> in the weeds about it, but it's all about incentives mm-hmm. and. Finding that sweet spot of incentive. It's like if it's too much, uh, you know, then people will take advantage of it. If it's too little, you know, and then if you take it away, they act in a different way. I'm not going to get too far into it. I think I'm done. But it is very interesting.
0: (laughs) All that psychological mumbo jumbo. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of psychological mumbo jumbo, (laughs) uh, the other day, sometimes when Ryan and I will have a game day, I'll just point to my shelf and say, pick one and we will play it. Mm -hmm. And last time he pointed to Mansions of Madness, second edition. Oh, yeah. Which is a fantasy flight game designed by Nikki Valens. Mansions of Madness, second edition, is a very narrative focused game where you are these Arkham investigators investigating different mysteries basically Mm -hmm. Um, you take these characters who are miniatures on a board and it's all app driven so you don't even know what the board looks like when you start and as you progress you're playing with an app or you know your computer open or something and the application is telling you what tiles to lay down what enemies appear you can actually move around and tap on pieces to like look at a painting or to to search under the bed or something like that and it kind of like introduces a room it tells you what are the interaction points and then you all take your turns. And then there's a mythos phase where the monsters do their thing and new monsters spawn and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a familiar template from a lot of these games that are kind of like these Cthulhu themed games. But this one is just interesting because it has this app that kind of does a lot yeah. of it for you.
1: That is really interesting. It really kind of adds a new, obviously, a new element to the game. It changes just yeah. like what board games are. <laughs> yeah, it makes it, kind it of way does. more flexible malleable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we played it and I haven't played it in a long time and I kind of was like do I want to play this anymore? I'm not sure. But he picked it and I was like this is great. Let's play it. It's kind of a slow game and it, you know, it takes a long time to play and it's very like narrative. There's lots of like reading and dice rolls to find out if you succeed or fail and kind uh-huh. of stuff like that. But Ryan is kind of into that stuff, and he's kind of always looking for these more narrative games. And I have so many like just strategic, um, just a little bit more abstract games. So mm-hmm. he was kind of looking forward to that, and I was definitely up for playing it. And I was kind of like, okay, let's do this. Um, and I set it up, and we started playing it. And, and like right away, the suspense and the mood it was building. And and I had already kind of seen some of these scenarios, but Ryan had never seen it. So I was like letting him. You know, he's like, what do you think's in that room? And I was like, well, I don't know. You could go find out. Um,
1: <laughs> Were the like the lights down low? And no, like it was the candles. middle of the day. No, it was, and it was, it was like the, spooky music. It was a beautiful,
0: bright day. But <laughs> um, but he he was kind of making those decisions. And the nice thing about the app is it changes it up. So I don't even exactly know what's going to happen. I know the rough outline of how the story is going to go, but I don't know how the story articulates like beat yeah. for beat. Yep. And after about the first half hour, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, Ryan was really into it. And then all of a sudden I found myself getting really into it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, I was like, this is really fun. Like, I don't know why I haven't played this in a while. And then, you know, like, actually, this is pretty exciting for what it is.
1: Yeah. I think it matters who you play it with, too.
0: It does. However, Uh fast forward the next hour or two hours or however long it took to beat it. By the end of it, both of us were just skipping past the text and being like, what do I need to roll? (laughs) you know what do you need to do uh and just trying to get to it and the game is just too i feel like it's too long for what it should be long yeah because both of us were just kind of like checked out at the end we're just like we just want to finish it this is taking way too long and also, he realized, and it's something that I definitely felt before we went in this game, but he realized it about halfway through where he's like, You don't really get to do anything in this game. You're not really making decisions. You're just reacting to things. And also, you only get two actions on your turn. And those two actions might just be move, move. Yeah. And then trigger the AI part where the mythos happens and it draws an event and the enemies all move and you have to resolve all of them and then and then you and then it's your turn and you're like, and now I'm going to move and interact with the painting. Oh, I didn't find out any information. Now the enemies are going to act, you know, Uh, blah blah blah. Yeah. And so all of the goodwill that I had, I feel like, was gone. And then Ryan by the end, he was just like, I never want to play that again. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like par for the course for Ryan. But and I I felt kind of the same like i do see the value in it and i do see how it can be a really fun experience but i took it i did not put it back on my shelf i put it into the box that is going to all systems go for trade someday (laughs) um that i kind of have ongoing and whenever i you know whenever i play a game and i'm like i think that's the last time i play that game i put it in the box yeah and i did that with this game because i was just like you know what the juice is not worth the squeeze in this case. I was just mm-hmm. like that was it was a good experience for a part of that, but it was just way too long. and and okay, this is the real problem. <laughs> that was the scenario that we played that I had already played because it was a sixty to ninety minute scenario, which didn't take sixty to ninety minutes. It took at least two hours, maybe two and a half. Oh. and that is like the minimum end of the scale. If you go through all the different scenarios, they you know you cycle through them in the app, they are recommending like one sixty to one eighty or oh my god or one of them goes up to like 480 or something it's like a six hour thing and i'm 480? just like 80 yeah if they would have released dlc that was all in the 45 to 115 or something yeah or you know like like yeah. i'm trying to say uh um,
1: 45 minutes to an hour and 15, 15
0: minutes, minutes. Yeah. yeah if they could make them in that range even like an hour and a half is pushing what i want to do in that game i think that's a lot but all of the DLC that keeps getting released is like bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, I don't, that's the exact opposite. And if they would have had those short missions, I would have been like, I'll keep it around for the short missions. But the way it is right now, I'm like, I've played this, these shorter couple missions a couple times. I don't want to play the six hour mission. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I put it away.
1: Maybe there are people, I'm sure, like, kind of how people are hardcore about, like, Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And those can be, like, very long games. You know, and it's based more on, like, storytelling and reacting and, mm-hmm. and rolling to see, like, what's going to happen. Maybe that's who this is appealing to. Yeah. Like, people that are making, like, a whole night out of it where it's, like, we're prepped for 4 hours, 6 hours to mm. get into this and it's basically this is our entertainment, this is our like watching a movie or reading a book or something right. and like that's how they consume entertainment. Yeah. But that's that's a long time. Cuz it yeah, is. it's just kind of like okay, let's
0: And I used to like games like that more and I think I've just changed in my taste as a gamer and I know people who are totally into that kind of thing. And that's yeah. like their super amazing thing and totally. I and I think that's totally amazing. I just I just wish A it was shorter and B instead of taking two actions The game was just harder and you got to take like five or something just so you could do more. And I just didn't feel like we were we were going through the motions, but we weren't making like smart decisions. There was a few really memorable parts. And like Mm -hmm. the end of the game was also pretty memorable where we basically were like, I think I died escaping and only one person has to escape and then Ryan like oh yeah was wounded and was moving at half speed but he made it out the door on like the final turn Mm -hmm. and it was like it really came down to it so that was like an exciting little arc in there and there was a couple of those little like memorable stories which is why I think some people probably really like grab onto that and they're like oh my god that was so amazing but i, know, I was but kind what of are, like all the
1: filler <laughs>
0: that's the thing is i was like there's too much bloat and not enough actual I feel decisions
1: like, yeah i feel like those arkham games are kind of like that
0: i do like the arkham card game but even that one also
1: because there are some times where that kind of has some filler where you're just like well yeah, can't really do anything that one is
0: freaking hard that one is really hard yeah i guess
1: <laughs> i've only played it like once or twice yeah. but there were definitely lulls but there were those peaks where you're just like this is why i'm playing this yeah. game
0: uh yeah but that was mansions of madness second edition i just wanted to mention it because i did think it was fun i think there was some value there i thought about maybe passing it on to like nieces and nephews but i think there's better kind of like narrative games out there so i just put it yeah. in a box and i pass it on so
1: i think that's a good idea so if anybody's looking for that game it'll be at uh, all systems <laughs> go sometime in the next few months yeah oh <laughs> uh, that's a bummer but Speaking of dice rolling,
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> you mentioned it, and I was like, oh, dice rolling. It re- it totally reminded me of uh, Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why did dice rolling remind you of Wet Hot American Summer? Because <laughs> Niles. Oh right, Niles right. Crane, he needs it yeah. when they're
1: making that space machine. He's like, if there's only a way, we need to generate random numbers from one to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and that one kid is like. I never leave home without my twenty sided yeah. die. I loved it so much. I had never seen it before, and we were talking, and Chris brought it up, and I was like,, <gasps> We should watch that tonight. Yeah.
0: And the, in case the movie is Wet Hot American Summer.
1: Yes. Because we were talking about Paul Rudd. <laughs> yes. And uh, and then Wet Hot American Summer came up and we watched it and I was laughing the whole time. I can't <laughs> believe I'd never like, actually seen that movie before. This is so good.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you liked it because I recommended it. And I actually, when I used to work at a video store. So I would, every shift, I would just check out, I think we could check out four three or four movies at a time and I yeah. would just check out th- the maximum movies and I would bring them home and I would look at AOL or whatever you know go online and like look at the internet and then plug in movie after movie after movie and I just grabbed Wet Hot American Summer without it was just a new release and I was like all right this is the new one I'm taking it and I took yeah. it and I put it in. This was released
1: and... in 2001. Yeah it was
0: 2001. I can't believe
1: that that seems like not that long ago.
0: <laughs> it was a long Even time. Even though ago.
1: it is 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs>
0: um, and I was watching it and then it basically is just a Stupid string of <laughs> sketches about summer about camp. Summer
1: camp, like the stereotypical experiences that you would probably have at summer camp. Uh-huh. They just made like it was just like skits.
0: But the stars are pretty heavy hitter comedians like uh, yeah. Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd and Michael Showalter and
1: Elizabeth Banks was in there. Elizabeth
0: Banks, Molly uh, Shannon was in it.
1: Molly Shannon was in it. Yeah, and then oh gosh, who else is in it?
0: It just has a lot. So of people. many people. Oh, Janine Garofalo.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then um, I can't say it. David say Hyde Pierce. Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Right. Okay. And David Hyde Pierce. Uh-huh. And
0: it has a lot of people. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it has. It is just it's like hilarious. I don't know how it was made, but it feels like all of these amazing, hilarious people got together and were just like, "Let's just spend a couple weeks doing these skits, and mm-hmm. then we'll figure out a way to stitch them together into a movie." Yeah. Um. And so I. Saw it and then I was like, This is amazing and I took it back to school and I was like, You guys have to watch this movie and then I would show everyone all the time. And then I haven't watched it in a long time. So when I mentioned it to you and we started watching it, you know, it was that moment where I was were like, Uh oh, yeah, I was, like, Uh-oh, was this too <laughs> is this too unstructured to be good these days or something? So good. <laughs> but by the end you were cry laughing. So Oh my good. gosh.
1: Cause then there was that one scene where they went into town and basically had a huge montage and yeah. then they come back and they're like Oh, it's so great to get into town, even if it's just for an hour. And it's like, oh my gosh, that was like three months of time. (laughs) You mentioned that part. You're like, this is when I finally realized what this movie was about. And it's like about absolutely nothing. And And it's just just, And it's
0: pushing the stupidity to an absolutely insane level.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was such a good one. I like that a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Wet Hot American Summer is definitely a recommendation. It is hilarious.
1: It definitely stands
0: up. You know what else is hilarious? (laughs) <laughs> what hansa teutonica <laughs> which is of course a uh, a guild of merchants in the german history i don't even know what era
1: hilarious yeah.
0: but we were able to play hansa teutonica
1: oh yeah is this the one that i played
0: yeah you played Hans oh teutonica. nice yeah. yeah i
1: do remember this one
0: <laughs> yeah and it's designed by andre stedding and it's published by pegasus spiel in this newest printing it has a very boring euro theme of uh, merchants and traders building trade routes mm-hmm. and controlling cities around the Hansa Teutonic guild region or something. yeah it's hard to even tell you what it is i about.
1: always I forgot that that was like the theme of the game. <laughs> Because I'm just like, I'm going to put my block here.
0: The theme is pretty uh, the pretty pointless. Well, it is a game that I had wanted to get for a long time, but it is just really so dry and hard to even explain kind of what it's about that I just never picked it up. But mm-hmm. I finally got a copy of it because I've always heard it's such an amazing game. And it requires three people. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I got it to the table when you, me, and Ryan had a game night. Ryan is our pod buddy that we always talk about. Someday he won't be our pod buddy, or maybe someday we'll have regular friends again, and then it will be other people. Yeah,
1: and by pod, we mean like our COVID pod, yeah, not not the shuffle buddies pod, but I guess he is a shuffle buddy.
0: He is a shuffle buddy. He's in our bubble. Yeah. Um and it's just I don't even want to go into it cuz I think I might want to talk about it at greater length some day but Yeah,
1: that would be a good that would be a really good one to do. Yeah.
0: But what I really like about it is it's this game that is very it just feels very old school in terms of its simplicity of actions and you're really just like placing cubes or taking cubes off the board and what you're trying to do is place cubes along these trade routes. When you complete a trade Mm -hmm. route with all your cubes, Mm -hmm. you take all the cubes off the board, and then you have the option to control one of the cities on either end of the route. And you're basically just trying to make a route of controlled stations across the board. And then once people complete routes adjacent to your stations, you gain points for that. So really, you're just putting down cubes and trying to complete routes. And it's really pretty straightforward. The one thing that I really like about it, and that's really different, is once I put a cube on the board, anybody else can push me out of the space that I was in. Yeah. And take my spot. Mm-hmm. When you push somebody out, you have to pay one extra cube
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the person who gets kicked out gets a second cube and they get to put both of those somewhere else on the board. Immediately. Immediately.
1: Like during your turn. Yes. They get to then put their people somewhere else. Right.
0: And very quickly. Which is
1: very nice.
0: Yes, very quickly. We figured out that getting pushed out is not a penalty it's not painful to get pushed out Mm-mm. you want to get pushed out because you yeah. get more efficient because you put things out faster so kind of like the quest for Eldorado was a game about getting in each other's way this game is the game of getting in each other's way because you are just putting cubes down hoping forcing people to push you out so you can expand faster mm-hmm. it actually became I kind of joked that it wasn't funny when we started, when we kind of went in, or I kind of joked that it wasn't funny when we went kind of led into this segment because it's just so dry, but it actually was a hilarious game of kind of like trying to bait people into pushing you out and you'd put down a cube and then you'd be like, I'm not falling for that. You're going to sit on that uh, board forever and I'm never going to push you, you out. Yeah. yeah,
1: that definitely was the case. You'd have like two of your cubes on like a trail of three and you just need one more spot and somebody would just go there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: be like <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> be like, push me out just go." yeah
1: on. and then in our first game we i think we would do that a lot and just like push the person yeah. out and then the second game we were a little bit more defensive and we were just like you know what we I'll learned just go somewhere else
0: we learned a ton in the first game and in fact the first game ended so quickly and it was just a blowout <laughs> in favor of one person because we yeah. were we were just not thinking about the benefits we'd give when we'd push people out and we were just like, well, I need to do this action. Right. Whereas in the second game, someone would put down a cube and I'd be like, fuck it. That action is dead (laughs) to me. I will never go there. I will I will win this game without ever using that action again because I will not give you the satisfaction of removing that cube for you.
1: And one of them was blocking a major trade route. Yeah. Like that we all would benefit from, (laughs) which I was actually okay with because then it kept us all very even in one Aspect of the game. I think we're getting too far into. We are it, getting too far into it because I think we could totally talk about it. Should we just talk about this game? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll come back to it because yeah. uh, there's just a lot to talk about. I didn't even get into fun. the. It's very simple and starts out perfectly symmetrical, but then you build your powers as you go, so you become yes. asymmetric. And there's just so much going on. And I am sad I didn't pick it up a long time ago because I used to always see it and be like. This game is so delightfully dry and boring looking <laughs> that I kind of want to buy it, and then I didn't. And, and I'm it...
1: surprised you didn't, because you have so many delightfully games. Well, that's boring, because it went out of print.
0: Games. This was like a long time ago. This was oh. like back when I was probably more into the Mansions of Madness type
1: oh, adventure like kind miniatures. of games. Like miniatures.
0: Yeah, and then, and then it went out of print for a long time, and mm. then finally it came back in print.
1: And then you got it.
0: I got it, and then I was just super glad. It was just like a magical moment when it came back into print.
1: Oh Speaking, Speaking of, of magical magic. moments,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we should probably talk about our game of the week that we're going to be yes. diving deep into, and that game is Raise Arcana.
1: Oh, it's Ray's?
0: Well, that's a discussion to be had, but oh, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. It's designed by Thomas Lehman. The artist is Julian Deval, and it's published by Sandcastle Games. Mm, that sounds sand so nice. Sandcastles in the sand. Raise Arcana. It's a game about mages. I'm just gonna say it's a game about mages yeah. doing magic shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally.
0: Uh I really there I actually looked it up and there really is no theme beyond mages are working to create things. Yeah. Can they be magical fast enough or something? Um, it doesn't have totally. a ton of theme beyond mages dueling to
1: outmage each other. Yeah.
0: They're outmaging each other. Yeah. All right. So I think I should kick off. How to play real quick before we jump in and talk about it a little bit more in depth so like i said raise arcana is a game about dueling mages the game itself is a race to 10 points and at the end of the game whoever has the most points wins to start every player is dealt a deck of eight artifact cards and these are the only cards you're going to have in your deck for the entire game you're also dealt two random mages and then you get to look at your deck and your mages and figure out what your strategy is going to be and choose the mage that you feel like works best with your artifact cards. Once you've chosen your mage, you will shuffle your tiny deck of artifact cards and you will draw a hand of three cards. At the center of the table, there's going to be five places of power tiles, which are super important for generating points and working towards the end game. There's also a deck of monument cards and a pool of magic items. Magic items are one-time use tiles that you'll draft at the start of every round and then you'll return them at the end of each round. So each player is going to choose a magic item for the first round. At the start of each round, all players are going to collect magic essences. Essences are the currency in the game and the resource that's going to fuel your artifacts and places of power. Certain components are going to generate essences from round to round, and so you'll just go through and pick up everything that's owed to you. Starting with the first player... Players get to take an action per turn and continue taking actions until everyone passes. The actions players can do are place an artifact from their hand by paying the cost and playing it into the tableau in front of them. Another action they can do is claiming a monument or a place of power which are in the center of the table so anybody can claim these. Some of the components that you play or claim will have powers on them and you can activate these powers for an action. You can also discard any card from your hand for a single gold or two of any other essences. And the final thing you can do is pass. When you pass, you get to claim the first player token. Which, in addition to letting you go first next round, is worth a point. Which is a big deal in a game where you race to 10 points. The next thing you do is return your magic item and choose a new one. And then you draw a single card from your deck. Once you've passed, You are done for the round, and other players can continue taking actions until they all pass as well. Once everyone has passed, you check for victory. If anybody has exceeded 10 points, then the game is over, and you find out who got the most points, and that player is the winner. If no one has won, then you play another round. And that is how you play Raise Arcana. Um, It is a pretty straightforward game to learn. Did you feel like you picked it up pretty quickly?
1: I think so. I think the first time I played it, it was quite a while ago. I am still pretty new in my gaming life, uh, but I feel like I'm pretty experienced now, like we learning need, new games. You need a
0: special like Sting that's just like gaming babies. And it's like,
1: <laughs> gaming babies. <laughs> gaming baby.
0: That was the Muppet Babies theme. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. All right, sorry. Um,
1: I feel like when I learned it, I was more of a noob and i think i was intimidated i think this was like one of the first games like this that i had played because i don't play magic the gathering i don't really i you know mages that meant nothing to me i was mm-hmm. like i don't really get this but then once i started playing it, it it sunk in pretty fast and then when we played it again that very first game i was a little bit shaky on like a couple of weekends ago but then we played a couple more and it just rolled
0: I'd say the biggest hurdle with learning it is the iconography. Yeah. The iconography.
1: Iconography, yeah.
0: And it's not that it's bad, but it is a lot to take in immediately. Yeah. I will say that once you learn the icons, they make perfect sense. It and flows. they are very easy to interpret all these different situations. And even if you don't understand the entirety of a how a card works, yeah. Once people have learned the icons, they'll be like, what does this card do? And I'm like, based on what it says, what do you think it does? Mm-hmm. Not what it says, but the icons printed on it. And they'll say it correctly. Yeah. Um, and so once they kind of see that they have unlocked this new language of icons, the game goes really quickly from that point. There is a player aid that helps, mm-hmm. um, but it's looking at a lot of icons and kind of digesting them right off the bat.
1: Yeah. And I think I hadn't played any games where you, like, tap cards Mhm. I didn't really get that. And then there's also those bigger cards that you can buy.
0: The places of power. The
1: places of power. And there's like little uh, helper cards that you get, you know, in the very beginning of the round. The
0: magic items.
1: Yeah. And I was just like focused on like collecting resources. And then you have to pay for the card to play it into your tableau. And then you might have to like pay a resource to tap it or pay a resource to use it. Or you can just get the uh, benefit immediately. Like there's all those different possibilities, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which honestly right now is totally fine for me. But I think when I was first learning it, a lot of that stuff was new to me. Yeah. So at first it was like a lot to keep track of. And I didn't really understand those places of power, like what the point of them was, oh, right, or right. like just basically the how to win the game.
0: That's a good point. And I think mm-hmm. now it when I teach that game, I talk about the places of power up front. Mm-hmm. And f- mm-hmm. for the most part, this game is a race game where you're building a little race car you're building a little engine mm-hmm. which are created out of the cards from your hand mm-hmm. and you're going to play three or four of them that are going to be a nice little engine that's going to generate some sort of resources but the real goal is to get one of those places of power which are how you're actually going to generate points
1: well that's not the only way you it's can not generate the only points, way but, but it's the biggest way it's you can the biggest points. way
0: you'll generate points and it is kind of the focus of the game so when yeah. i say like look at these places of power yes you're going to be using one of these so decide which one is best for you Mm -hmm. work towards buying that once you have it that's when the end game kicks into gear because it's kind of like you're working to build your little tableau you're working to get your place of power Once you have that all in place, you are just running your engine as fast and furiously as possible because this literally is a race game to 10 points. Yes. And you just need to crank on that as hard as you can. So maybe you'll have one place of power. Maybe you'll have two. It's possible to have zero, but it is way harder, you know, to to not invest in a place of power. But it really is. So now I think when I would explain that, I would say like, all right, you're going to be building this little tableau that's going to be powering this engine to buy one of these places of power and just maximize it. So focus on those and kind of really explain the purpose of those places of power.
1: Yeah. That first game is always just a learning game because you start off with your, you know, you look at your cards and you have to decide out of two mages, which one do you want? Mm -hmm. Which one of these two mages is going to best mesh with your deck that you currently have in your hand? Right. And then like looking at the places of power that are currently available, Mm -hmm. like what in your engine, in your deck is going to best feed one of those places of power yep. in the very first game. I'm just like, none of that makes sense to me. I have absolutely no idea what mage is going to work best with my right. cards. And then a place of power that's like way far down the line. I'm not even going to think about that mm-hmm. right now. And so as soon as I started getting into it though, yeah, you just, it, it starts to click but that first game i just was like i have no idea but that's usually how my first games is going it but... is
0: definitely how the first game goes thankfully they do include starter decks mm-hmm. that are a pre-built oh, card yeah. deck with a mage at- attached to it so it's just you just know these cards synergize together mm-hmm. doesn't help you with the places of power but it gets you going you don't have to really th- to make those early decisions that is something that is really amazing and interesting about this game that is helpful. that there is randomness to the game of like what cards you're going to draw or what order the monuments deck is going to come out
1: yeah and the monuments are just points yeah well sometimes they have, they have benefits they have
0: actions but, but
1: they're not like places of power or anything you can't not. build on them it's just basically like a, a really good card yeah you can, you can just like play your get tableau. a monument
0: or two but those are the only points of randomness and when you and start the places the g- of
1: power are random too That are dealt. They
0: are input random. Where when you start the game, that's what they are. Right. So I. So what's? Oh,
1: you're talking about like in-game in-game randomness. randomness. Yeah. So
0: like yeah. So when you're drawing your cards, you don't know what you're going to get, but you get to almost like decide your entire strategy right there and then. And so, it really is a very strategic game because when you sit down, you get dealt two mages which you get to pick one eventually, you get the eight cards you're going to get for the entire game. Those are the only cards that are ever going to get in your deck. You see all five places of power and the two monument cards that are out at the start. The opening of the game is everyone being like, all right, study time. Yeah, Look at your eight cards. Look at your two mages. Look at the places of power and just think on it. Yeah, There's no real decisions besides which mage you're going to take. Yeah, But you say, okay, these are the cards I have. These three work really well together. I don't know when I'm going to get them, but I know that these three cards are the ones I need. And then so you,
1: seeing like what resources they require to mm-hmm. build them and maybe building up if you don't get the if you don't get that card right away in the first hand, start building up the resources so you can play yep. it. it some gives people, you a nice direction to go in.
0: And it's incredibly important though because some people when they play this game, they kind of just think like, I have these cards, I should build them. And they yes. just start building all the cards. And that I think is a trap.
1: <laughs> that's what I did the first time. Because I was just like, well, building cards is good. So I'm going to build my cards. Yes. I don't it, even know if I even used them.
0: Yeah. It's not good. The less cards you can build to make an efficient engine, yeah. the better, because you're just wasting less time building things and you're getting right to the heart of exactly what you need. And you're like, this is the bare minimum of what I need to be effective. I'm good to go. Let's start hitting this machine and like pumping out points as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And you only have eight cards. So what I think about is I'm like, these are the three cards that are important to my strategy. Yeah. That means the other five cards I can throw away. Every turn to just get two random, not two random resources, but choose two resources or get a chunk of gold. Yes. And that is how I'm going to. That's exactly what I did, yeah. So I consider it fuel for my engine. It's the gasoline that makes my engine work because my engine can produce a lot of resources, but anything that needs to fill in the gaps comes from those discarding the cards. Totally. And so I just think that is different than a lot of games. The amount of upfront strategy and planning for the size of the game is just really interesting Mm -hmm. and unique to this game. Agreed.
1: That's how I kicked your butt that last time we played.
0: (laughs) I had like two or
1: three cards in my tableau and I was just like throwing cards out every Mm -hmm. single round and building up gold because I think I had something that took in gold to give me something really good back. Mm -hmm. So I was just throwing cards out like every game to to get that gold. And then I think I bought a, a monument that was worth three points, which in a 10 point game is huge. So I I definitely started, I think I'm getting better and better at the strategy the more I play it because then I am getting less precious about the cards because I always think I need to have cards in my hand. Yeah. But I'm like, once I build what I really need to build, I just start throwing those cards out.
0: Yeah. Another decision that you get to make every round is picking which magic item you want. Mm-hmm. And some of those magic items can be so See, helpful. can be so helpful, but some of them you are, are used less, but they are specifically to get your engine firing as soon as possible. And the one that people overlook a lot is the one that lets you draw three cards and then discard three cards because they're like, why would I do that? I don't even get a card out of it. But in a game where you only have eight cards and you need three of them specifically, just pick that one up and you'll probably get two or three of the cards you need in your opening hand, plus take that on your first turn, you'll get all the cards you need and you'll be able to... So like that waiting for your cards that you need to draw is not really an excuse because sometimes I've played games and people are like, well, I really needed this card, but it was on the bottom that of my true. deck. And I'm I like, always... well, it only takes two turns to get that deep if you take the right magic item.
1: That is true. I always forget about that. I always forget that that card is there. <laughs> but it is interesting to see because like the, uh, the magic items that you can draw at the beginning of the round definitely come in stages like usually the very first ones that we draw are to help us get resources yep. and then we start talking about like the card that lets you untap a card the reanimate
0: re- that's my favorite card yeah re- it, it lets you use a card and then use it again
1: or and... the transfiguration where you can turn resources into different resources or turn yeah like a couple resources like four resources into two gold or something like yeah. that the, so yeah. yeah it's funny to see like when we use those because it's like At the end of the game, it would be like such a waste to just pull a magic item that just gets you like one resource when you can have so much else.
0: Yeah. And when you say it is a waste to do that at the end of the game, it's a waste because this game is quick. Tight. It is tight and quick. Every
1: move matters. And
0: it doesn't feel like that at the start because you're kind of just doing nothing. But once you get your point-generating engine, and you only need to get to 10 points, once Mm -hmm. you get your point-generating engine, you can make like three four five points a turn and yes. in a 10 point game that ends the game pretty quick so yeah. if somebody gets their engine up and running one turn before you that's painful to watch
1: yes and also because it's one of those games where it's like um we don't take the same amount of turns
0: yeah it's a game where you take turns until you pass
1: right you take turns until you pass and whoever passes first gets the first player token which is worth a point right and i have won a game because of that
0: often i think that comes into play a lot
1: because at the end of the round you always do a victory check it's like hey how many points do you have right now how many points do i have oh we each have like three points okay we'll keep going
0: it is one of my favorite decisions of just being (laughs) like (laughs) i just need to get to 10
1: i need one point i'll just pass
0: i'll just pass but it is a humongous gamble because if you're like i pass yeah do they have enough momentum to get themselves to 10 or 11 points? Because yeah. once the first player's pass, passed, they get that point. But yeah. the other person gets to keep taking keep as many actions as they want until they run out. And sometimes you'll pass because that you're like, I'm not going to make it to 10 this turn. I'm going to pass and get to 10 to make sure that I at least have a chance of winning. And then I'll just hope the other person can't coast And past. take it away from yeah. them, too yeah
1: yeah well that happened like in the last game that we played I was doing really really well going into uh, this last round with probably seven points and you had like three points and I basically did something to change some stuff into gold and then I bought a monument card and that brought me to 10 and then I passed which gave me 11 right but then you kept going because I was really early on in that round and then you kept going for like three or four more minutes (laughs) and you built up to like nine points. Yeah. So I almost, and especially if I didn't pass and take that first player, like it could have been tied or I might've lost. Yeah. That's a really prime example of like, I passed really, really early on, uh, because I was like, there's nothing else I can do. If I were to do anything else that would just leave me open and keep the game going and going. Mm -hmm. But you really able to build it back and it got really close
0: it is like a really tight race game and Mm -hmm. i think the race element is what kind of separates it from other games of this style which i would call the dueling mage genre yeah because there's so many games out there that are just like two Opponents pitted against each other, probably mages, but other types of things too, that are just kind of like hurling fireballs back and forth. And they're usually games of attacking and whittling down life, which Mm -hmm. is how magic works. And so this one I prefer a lot more because I just do not resonate with that kind of game. I have never liked magic. I've played it many, not many times. Like Magic the Gathering? Yeah, I've never liked Magic the Gathering um i Ooh, just do... you
1: just upset some people oh i mean there's there's magic fans <laughs> it's and then pers- there's not
0: but i just don't i do not like that i do not like that two players just like, trading here's, blows what, I kind here's of thing. what
1: i do here's what i do here's what i do here's what i do and attack. this
0: one is different because it is decidedly unconfrontational yes but it, still yeah. still that head-to-head mages but you're racing to a score instead of attacking blows and defending yes. blows and i think what i don't like about magic is just the constant attack and you're like i'm going to use this guy to to take that damage and stuff like that it just kind of can become a slog depending on how yeah. people build their decks and stuff like i that. like
1: you and me both like the more strategy engine building how efficient can we be about something and and not just mean
0: like, too, just not right, being like I i'm gonna wreck mean. your crap you yeah know? yeah i
1: think we like to focus on our own thing in front of us instead of having to deal with defending ourselves or attacking right but there is the possibility to attack and defend yourself in this game, but right. we very rarely do it. Well, it and, is like,
0: and it is more of a, it's a pain. time tax than it is truly detrimental. I was going to say that our good friend Ryan, who is that type of no-holds-barred, come-out-swinging type person, mm-hmm. played this game. And the immediate thing he did was build as many dragons and creatures who attacked. Yeah. And he tried to make an attack deck. And it, it didn't work for him at all. He totally failed. And I think... It's nice because the dragons are made to attack, but that's not the main thing they're good at. It's just like while you're building your dragon strategy, you can kind of plink at the other people and take a few of their resources. It's not going to destroy anything. It's not going to tear any cards out of their tableau. It's just going to take a resource here or there. That is true. It's more advantageous to use them to generate points in these other ways than it is to just continually attack. So ryan was really really disappointed because he Mm -hmm. you know he really wanted to attack um and he tried and he just failed miserably and it's easy to also mitigate those attacks with items you can build with with artifacts you can build or even one of the magic items that you can draft at the start of each round oh yeah prevents attacks as well so it's easy to get out of attack so if somebody is being super attacky you can pretty much figure out a way to negate it if it's really bothering you Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. It's definitely, it's just like attack is just like an extra little thing that the dragon does, but it's not the main goal of this game is to attack. Like you're not going to win by just attacking. Yeah. You have to kind of focus on your own engine and and building up your own points instead of trying to take away points from other
0: people. And so I don't think this is a replacement for Magic the Gathering or those types of games, but I think if you know somebody who likes those kind of games and you want to play, but you don't want to engage on the level that something like Magic the Gathering requires, I think that this is like a no-brainer type of game that you could just say, hey, I know you love this theme. I know you like this kind of game. Let's try this one. It has a way lower bar of entry. You don't have to build your own decks. It has some of that like deck synergy going on. It's just less and just a different kind of game, but it has some of that vibe.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I actually, that's exactly what I did for Secret Santa when I gifted this to my previous boss um, because he loves magic. I even made him a little magic embroidery of all the life tokens or whatever.
0: Yeah, the essence. I don't know magic. I I can't remember (laughs) what they're
1: called. Yeah, But uh, I gifted him this game for Secret Santa and he played it and he loved it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel really good about that. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished.
0: (laughs) And the great news is... If you don't want to go out on a limb and just buy it for somebody and hope that they like it, Mm -hmm. everybody in the whole world can try it right now because it was one of the most recent releases on Board Game Arena.
1: That is really nice because honestly, I'm trying to think like if any of the other games we've reviewed have been on Board Game Arena.
0: I don't think. I I don't
1: know if they're on Board Game Arena. So it's kind of cool that it has like that, you know, you can kind of try it out.
0: Yeah, and, it's, and actually, if I had to like say like which games would I love to have on Board Game Arena, mm-hmm. that was kind of one of them.
1: I feel like that would translate really well to Board Game Arena.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking, we were playing this, preparing for this review and just playing it for fun before it was announced. And then while we were doing that, it was announced and released. I remember actually there was a tweet where they said, there's a surprise coming Wednesday. And I was kind of like, I wonder what that could be. And then when it was Res Arcana, I was like, that is... Awesome. That's awesome because it's a super quick variable game that um, fills that perfect niche that I want to play online where it has enough depth and chunk for mm-hmm. me because sometimes some of the games that we end up playing like with families or friends online, online yeah are just a little bit on the light side for me but I don't want to get into like a two-hour game or anything like totally. that so I, I just want something that's even shorter than some of these um, kind of light filler games, but way more meat on the bone. Yes. And yep. so it came on to Board Game Arena. I was yeah, very this excited is a, to play it.
1: This totally fills that, that gap.
0: Yes. And that is why when I said
1: Raise Arcana,
0: Raise Arcana, that was because I usually call it Res Arcana mm-hmm. because it looks like Res Arcana to me.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah.
0: I know the designer, because it's based on another game called Race to the Galaxy, it's kind of a a pseudo-sequel simplification of this game called Race for the Galaxy. So it was kind of a pun on that.
1: Oh, yeah. Because what were you saying before? It was race, race Arcana?
0: I was saying... I think I was saying Raise Arcana.
1: Raise. Yes. Raise Arcana? So
0: these are all very subtle differences. But yeah. when it did come onto Board Game Arena, I was like, you know what? My dad is pretty good at learning games. Mm-hmm. But there is that initial hurdle yeah. that is higher than like some of my more tech savvy friends especially with that interface uh, of just that second layer of tech yeah that... and it's
1: hard to teach a game over zoom
0: right but i really did want to play res arcana online and so i was like all right i'm just going to try this and i tried to teach him and, and he logged on and he said what's and i just like loaded the game up i didn't even tell him what we were going to play i just loaded it and he's like what's this res arcana and then I was like, oh, what? Why did you say raise instead of res? And he was like, well, it's Latin, right? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it probably is. And he's like, well, I think if it was Latin. And he's like, I haven't taken Latin for a million years. But... Yeah, because to
1: be a lawyer, you have to take Latin. Yeah,
0: probably. <laughs> but he, he had some Latin. And so he was like, oh, so I funny. think that would mean... Item, I think, raises item and then arcana, so it's like arcane items or something like that, oh which is gosh. like so. He kind of understood what the title meant without me even mentioning it to him. So after that, I was like, All right, I'm gonna say raise arcana,
1: raise arcana.
0: Like, I feel like it's like Sun Rays Arcana or something. That's how I kind of remember yeah. it in my head. I don't know if that's right. There's there's like a lot it. of people discussing it online that I've seen. and I Really? Kind of there's just... <laughs> people
1: discussing it? That's adorable. Yeah.
0: But I was like, I'm just going to go with this because this is unprompted. Somebody who knows a little bit of Latin. This is not a Latin expert or anything. But I was yeah. like, I'm just going to do it.
1: I like it. I think that's great.
0: That being said, the learning curve was difficult online with somebody like this 75-year-old man. Yeah. But he knows how to play a lot of games and he's good at learning games and he likes learning games. So he's a he, he good is,
1: attitude too. He'll just yeah. keep going and be like, and then he, he's really good at like taking that first game as like a learning game and then just jumps right into the next
0: I would one. say the first five games as a learning game. <laughs> <laughs> we played like 10 games of Seven Wonders and then he'll be like, why can't I play this card? And I'm like, oh, what yeah? do you, you don't have the resources to play that card and none of your neighbors do. And he's like, what? Why? And then I'm just like, we've played this so many times. But, well
1: yeah definitely and playing online kind of can kind of mask that stuff for a while too yeah, and you might you forget can, about it you
0: can slide by with the game enforcing the rules and you not having a true understanding and internalizing all the rules yeah. but that being said we played Ray arcana and he did get smoked the
1: mm-hmm. first
0: game but he appreciated it and liked it and wanted to try it again and then we tried it again and after this i think it was after the second game he was just like this is a great game. Like he was really into the game. That's he was awesome. like, this is a great game. Like, I really like it. He still is in those learning games. I think the <laughs> last two games, smoked. it's been like three to 12 or something. Those, and then that's, those are the games that I've 11, been, I've yeah. been
1: sitting beside you and yeah. I, I'll see the score and you're just like, he's going to lose.
0: <laughs> I know. But he doesn't matter. And he does any, every game he's like saying like, Oh, I should have been doing that. Yep. He, the, the thing that we he's talked about it. Yeah. The thing we talked about in the podcast that clicked with him in the last game is throw your cards away mm-hmm. for the resources. Mm-hmm. Don't try and play all your cards, throw them away. And I kind of had mentioned that, and he kind of was like, Oh, yeah, but he really didn't understand that until I was just like, until I actually said, These are fuel for your engine, throw them away and get the resources. Yeah, and then, build
1: an effective engine and then just mm-hmm. start throwing cards away because you don't need them. Yeah. You don't need to just like add more stuff to an engine that's already working well.
0: Yeah, so that is awesome that it's on Board Game Arena. Yeah, maybe
1: you and me should play that because we've talked about that, where it's like, <laughs> then we don't have we can just sit side by side on the couch on our computers yeah. and play a board game on Board Game Arena. We don't
0: have to set it up. No we setup. don't have to go sit at a table like
1: I can sit under my heated like blanket. Like humans. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: the one thing they don't have on Board Game Arena yet is the expansion content.
1: Oh, and we did play with the expansion content, right? We did
0: play with the expansion content. not a content. whole lot it's not a whole lot but
1: it's nice it freshens it up a little bit
0: right i would say that's the main thing about the expansion is or the main thing about reza the main thing about reza Arcana as a whole is there's not a ton of variety there is a whole deck but you'll and you only see eight of those cards so technically you could see like a lot of cards but i do feel like i always am seeing the same cards just because
1: those cards probably just stand out to you more like yeah. the ones that you know and know are good and then same with like the places of power because right. there's only
0: There's only five, but each one has an A A and B side. Yeah. So there's only five. There's an A and a B side. So technically you could see 10 different varieties, but you're only going to see five a game. So that's nice that they included that for a little bit more variety.
1: Yeah, that's not much. The
0: monument deck, which the monuments are halfway between a place of power and a artifact card that you play from your hand. Those are maybe like 10 or 12 cards or something. So there's not a million of those either. And then the deck. So... There's kind of a lot of variety, but I definitely feel after playing it as many times as I have, which is not a huge amount, but it's like 15 times or something, Mm -hmm. maybe more. I do feel like I get my hand of cards and I'm like, okay, the strategy here is going to be death. I'm going to be collecting as much death and buying the catacombs and turning that death into points. Mm -hmm. Or I'm like, this is going to make a ton of gold. I'm going to buy as many monuments as possible because those are worth points. And I'm going to buy the dwarven forge, which lets me turn gold into points. Yep. And so I feel like even though I might not have seen every single combination of cards, I have a really good feeling of how each game might articulate. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I thought it needed, or the one thing I would ask to be added is just more cards, Mm -hmm. more mages, more places of power. And that's pretty much what the expansion added. Yeah. More of everything. It also added a new kind of creature type demons, which are... I don't know what's the difference behind them, but it's kind of just instead of dragons and creatures, now we have dragons, creatures, and demons. And so it added those and it added a few new artifacts. The one thing that I really appreciate about it though is I was concerned that a lot of the cards require a dragon to use this place or a creature to use this place. Right. One of the magic items they added is a magic items that can substitute in place of tapping a dragon a creature or a demon that's nice and so that really answers like that was one of my big questions because i was like if i shuffle a bunch of demons in here and now i have this place of power that requires demons the deck is watered down from the amount of demons or the amount of dragons or the amount of any of those types you'll see so it almost makes all of those places of power that require those things less predictable hmm Um, You know, you can count on having those types of things in your hand less. As soon as I saw the magic item that lets you basically proxy a dragon or a creature, I was like, that answers all my questions. I don't have any problems with adding more cards or more types in the deck. That is an awesome solution that even in the base game would be welcome. And so I was pretty happy with it. I don't think it adds anything crazy revolutionary. I don't even think you would really notice if you were playing with it. Mm -hmm. I would totally recommend grabbing it if you're going to be playing a lot of games because it just does have that extra variety.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: I think that might be Ray's Arcana. Do you have (laughs) any final thoughts? Oh. You hate when I ask for final thoughts. I know (laughs) because
1: I'm just kind of like, oh, I've kind of said everything. Go for the death. Go for death? Don't go for death. That's my jam. Don't go
0: for death? No, go for death. Oh, okay.
1: Go for death. That's my favorite one. I always end up getting like the catacombs or some sort of doom producing machine. I don't know why I'm drawn to it, but I just seem to get the cards that just really uh, mesh up well with that.
0: Yeah. And you know, we didn't really talk about the overall look of the thing. It doesn't have a lot of theme, Mm -hmm. but I will also just say like the overall aesthetic doesn't do a ton for me, but the individual illustrations on the cards, some of them are pretty badass
1: yeah yeah (laughs) and they're
0: really cool and some of the death ones especially i was just thinking when you said that like i don't know just the cool artifacts like the cool cursed objects and sculptures Mm -hmm. and hands and candles yeah they're pretty cool so i do think the art has really good artwork and maybe
1: does it feel like it doesn't really have a theme because there's no board
0: yeah maybe because
1: i think all the cards mesh well together i think the theme of the game really goes well with it it feels like you know it feels like the theme is mage versus mage and there's magic and but and you're totally right it is right. just kind of like cards laid out on a table
0: you're right and the the but the cards themselves like the items you're like oh this is the cursed um yeah. relic or something like that and it will have like a cost but give you a really good bonus and you're like ooh like right. that it like thematically they make or the horn of plenty just like generates you yeah. lots of stuff they actually do make sense so like the th-
1: cursed one you have to trade life and then you get death in return or something yeah like, like you trade in two greens and you get four black
0: they do make thematic sense so mm-hmm. i guess it's not themeless but it's kind of just like why are these items here i'm not sure we're just mages mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. items so. oh, i
1: get that because they're uh items of arcana yeah
0: yep they are res rays ar- arcana <laughs> uh but the artwork is actually pretty it's cool. very nice. There yeah, are some like really it. nice individual drawings in there. I actually think they're some really nice drawings. So yeah, um, yeah, my final thoughts are, I didn't think it would be one of my favorite games. And I don't know if it is one of my favorite games, mm-hmm. but when I first heard about it, I almost got it because I was like, you get eight cards and that's it. <laughs> and then you look at all your cards and then you just kind of, draw your cards and play them. And I just felt like it seemed too simple, Mm -hmm. but I heard really good things. So I bought it and sure enough, the eight card limitation at the start is simple and it makes the game feel kind of really manageable, but there's tons of depth and fun to be had there. So I think it did really win me over in that kind of eight card limitation just really increases the strategy over the tactics because i think it's like that game race for the galaxy but in race for the galaxy it there's a million cards that could come up and you're just dealing with them as they come up whereas this one quality
1: over quantity
0: yeah that one you're tactically deciding what what did i just get what am i going to do this one you're strategically saying like all right i know everything that's in play i'm going to do the best i can with what i have and i'm going to race to the top and if i make it That's awesome. And if I didn't, hopefully I got a cool engine going and I at least felt like I had a chance. And usually I think you do. Mm -hmm. So it's a great game. I did not think it would be kind of like one of my go-to ones that I'm picking up to just play with random people. But um, more and more, I think I find that it is.
1: Yeah, I like it. I always forget how quickly it can be played too. I always forget that it can be like a a nice quick little game.
0: Yeah. What would you think? Like 15, 20?
1: Yeah. 15, 15, 20 minutes?
0: 20, 30 something like that
1: <laughs> we're in the 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 frogs in boiling water but yeah yeah it's like maybe 20 20 25 30, 30 maybe 35 it's an hour long game no i think <laughs> yeah 25 minutes i bet yeah. i like
0: it it's great yeah and that is raise our so uh let's yay let's, a better let's way.
1: raise our glasses
0: that's a good that's a good one <laughs> raise your glasses to raise our
1: i'm excited for next time yeah. Because I think we're going to talk about anachrony.
0: I think we are, unless if the timeline changes and Ooh. we
1: don't. Ooh, we'll leave you with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in uh, following up with us, you can find us on Instagram at shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at shuffle underscore buddies. We're at shufflebuddies.com. Uh, on all the streaming services, if you can tell a friend about it we're starting to get people like people like there's like a couple people joining us each week which is really exciting yeah so if you can tell somebody to take a listen maybe we can build our own little board gaming community around <laughs> shuffle buddies and maybe we someday we can host a big gaming fun day <laughs> when we can all be together again
0: that is, that's what it will be called
1: big gaming fun day
0: the shuffle buddies big gaming fun day
1: (laughs) oh my gosh that'd be so amazing
0: well someday
1: yeah so um rate review and subscribe (laughs) smash
0: that like button smash
1: that like button i feel so funny saying that but do it it's really fun makes us feel good about ourselves Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right and with that shall we shuffle away
0: we shall i mm-hmm.